1: LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.
2: Are you ready, kids? Get your parents' permission, check your mailbox, and grab your shopping cart. It's time for the Adventures in Collecting podcast. I'm Eric, and I'm Dave. Welcome, welcome to, to Adventures, Adventures in Collecting, Collecting, where we talk toy news, culture, and hauls, along with our journeys as collectors.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Adventures in Collecting. Uh, the awkward pause that is normally there is not going to be there this week because uh, my my darling, wonderful lovable brother dave is on vacation so i am i have been given both the the uh the main pilot seat and the co-pilot seat for this week um so i either deeply apologize for either reason listener why why you're upset so either you're upset that it's just me or you're upset that uh that dave is missing um i i apologize but I, I am not alone, uh, and as Dave would like to normally say, Eric, please don't bury the lead, so I will not bury the lead. Uh, we do have a guest with us this week. Um, I have a guest with me this week. I might say we and us a lot this episode, and it will not apply, and I I apologize again for that. But uh, yeah, so we do have a guest this week, and I am super excited uh, to 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 have this conversation. This has been a long time coming. Uh, Founded in 2014, Spiro Toys focuses on delivering highly articulated and designed collectible action figures for the collector market. Joining us this week on the show is Jason Bienvenu, Managing Partner at Spiro Toys. Jason, welcome to Adventures in Collecting.
1: Thank you for having me on. I can't wait to talk about action figures and awesome, fun, upcoming stuff for 2024.
0: Yeah, I, I I like I said, I am super excited to have you on. Um, you know, some of the the Animal Warriors of the Kingdom figures that have come out this year have been among, you know, the most enjoyable things that I've I've collected. So I, I'm really excited to kind of chew the fat with you. But before we jump into all of that, um, as this is a show about collecting, the first thing that we ask all of our guests, uh, what are you currently collecting and what are some of your recent pickups?
1: I would say I am mainly collecting at the moment G.I. Joe Classified as well as uh, the He-Man Masterverse figures. I am also collecting uh, Mythic Legions as well as Cosmic Legions. Uh, let me think. I do love, you know, I'm constantly collecting Marvel Legends and I've started to kind of dip my toes a little bit into the McFarlane stuff. Uh, I'll pick up a few of those figures here and there. And, uh, I think that's pretty much it for now.
0: So is there anything that you picked up, uh, recently that is, has kind of brought you, brought you a little joy?
1: So I like to give myself, uh, I like, to, I like to give future Jason presents from Amazon or Big Bad. Uh, let me see. What did I recently get? I think I got uh, the Slush Head from Masterverse as well as the Buzz Off, which I had really been looking for that for quite a while. And then uh, I also got in some of the Crimson Alley Vipers, uh, the Walmart exclusives, which nice. are really, really awesome figures. I'm, I'm glad I waited the uh, the Sherbert orange just never did it for me even as a kid so I'm glad I waited on those and then the last thing I picked up was at um this last show that we just came from in Los Angeles and I picked up uh two of the Legions uh Cosmic Legions figures that I actually meant to pick up at Legions Con but wound up being too busy at the booth
0: Awesome yeah I mean the the those all of those lines have uh have you know, a lot of love for them. Um personally when it comes to the Masterverse stuff, I love the fact that they're they're going back to the uh the eighty six uh live action film, the Dolph Lundgren film. Right, um, right.
1: I I, I actually I like all of them movie. except for the Dolph one. I feel <laughs> like the uh I feel like, you know, they probably couldn't get the uh the likeness rights or something and um I just felt like that head could have been dot a little bit better, but you know, for the most part they're really, really great. Yeah,
0: I ended up picking up the um, the Ramen Toys uh, the third party head for that figure.
1: Oh, I didn't even realize they had that. Okay, that's cool.
0: Yeah, they did I, a uh, limited run. Um, yeah, for yeah. that likeness, and okay. they completely crushed it.
1: Oh, cool. Well, you know, I had uh, I picked up the it's I think I believe it's a, a Walgreens exclusive. And I can't. Oh, Centurion! The Centurion Marvel Legends hmm. figure has a fantastic head that I think goes really well on several of the uh, several of the, of the He-Man figures from the Masterverse. So that's an option too, as well.
0: Yeah, I love the uh, the the part swapping stuff. Like it's oh, it's yeah, always fun it's to so see. Fun. Like I see a lot of people doing it with the Classifieds too. Like uh, I know a lot of people are using the Hank Pym. West Coast Avengers Marvel Legends head for the Chuckles body. They think it's a it's a better uh, Chuckles likeness.
1: Oh, okay, but, yeah, uh, that's cool.
0: I've seen a couple pictures of that. Um, yeah, so you know, clearly you're you're you know collecting a lot. But uh, how how did you get into the actual uh, place of toy design?
1: Well, uh, around 2011, I remember you know sitting on my couch and really wanting to do something. And at the time, Xbox was offering this program where you could, uh, you know, you could make your own video games and submit that and everything. And I actually drew a whole bunch of sprites and backgrounds and whatnot and couldn't find a programmer. And then the next thing I thought was, well, maybe I could do a comic book. Uh, And I had been doing graphic design and... I was doing something for like a drive through zoo and I was just drawing a bunch of animals and whatnot. And I thought, well, maybe animals would be kind of a fun way to tell the hero's tale. So I started working some sort of, you know, I was trying to work into find some sort of main protagonist and I wound up deciding between like a lemur and a monkey. And I thought, well, a monkey will be a little bit more fun for me to draw over time. The facial expressions will be a little bit easier to show. And so I decided on the monkey and, at that point pale was born and i did a kickstarter in order to get the you know in order to pay for the printing of the comics and it was really just for the first issue but you know once the kickstarter became a reality i thought okay now i'm kind of i've got people that are depending on me so i went ahead and did all six issues of the comic book and uh you know with the success from that i tried to leverage the characters from the comic into a toy line and i thought you know, at the time, my little girl was collecting Ninja Turtles, and there was a certain type of Ninja Turtle that was really modular. So I uh, I kind of took some inspiration from that and tried a Kickstarter, and that Kickstarter ultimately wasn't successful. So after a couple of weeks of feeling sorry for myself, I kind of went back to the drawing board and saw what kind of critiques and and what actually collectors were looking for and basically took a whole year to learn how to use social media as far as advertising goes and uh you know redoing all the sculpts and whatnot and that kickstarter wound up going well we did a little bit more than we asked for so we had a little bit of a buffer and we got that toy line produced Um, and then from that success we did the same scale, but a little bit bigger because there's different size, you know, characters in the comic. And that's important to me. So we did a Kickstarter for that. That was successful as well. And then uh, I started wanting to do conventions and raising brand awareness for people that might not be, you know, just Kickstarter followers or whatnot. And so I signed up for Toy Fair. And then this little thing called COVID happened. (laughs) <laughs> and I got a call from Toy Fair saying that they were going to cancel the, the event. All the buyers had pulled out. And I remember just kind of sitting in the parking lot thinking, well, I like six inch scale stuff. And, uh, you know, I had been buying six inch scale Black Series, Marvel Legends, Power Rangers. So I went ahead and I talked to my buddies who I was already friends with, uh, the sculptors. And, you know, we kind of talked about doing it in six inch scale. And so I spent the next four or five months, uh, you know, kind of dialing in the the six core characters that we were going to do before we launched that Kickstarter. And we, fi- we, you know, we launched a Kickstarter, but before we launched it, I talked to our factory and I was like, listen, you know, we want to do stretch goals and everything, but I don't want to do anything that's going to put a strain on the factory as far as like, you know, having too many skews or you know, confusing numbers and whatnot. So, uh, the factory gave me what they were comfortable with for stretch goals and we launched. And I thought, you know, if we make, if we make this goal, cause I was asking for more than I had ever asked for before, you know, I'll be a happy camper. And, uh, we wound up making goal the first week, which is, was amazing. Cause then, you know, everything else is just icing on the cake. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so, so we started unlocking stuff and, you know, towards the end of it, we were like, I was 3D printing stuff at night and hurrying up and painting it in the morning and taking photos of it and uh, posting stuff. And we wound up unlocking everything except for the last big figure, our our, our big deluxe stain figure. And on the last day, uh, we had a great, you know, 3D render of it and everything, but on the last day, I think we had like three hours to go. It finally got unlocked and I was just like, holy cow. And it just kind of seemed to skyrocket that last day. So uh, I just kind of remember pinching myself and being like, wow, holy cow. I can't believe that happened, you know. And uh, and then like we said, you know, then the real work began and uh, production on the, the Primal series began at that point.
0: Yeah, that's I, – I mean I remember when you guys launched that uh... – that Kickstarter and the the moment I saw those kind of core figures, I kind I had a, a gut feeling that the, the project was gonna take off very quickly. And uh and you know, it, it did. It's just there's something about and we've you know, I've mentioned this a couple times on the show, um, especially with with kind of these original IPs, there's this I don't want to say like comfort zone, but there when there's something familiar about the characters, but also new and fresh. And it kind of toes that line. Um, I know it sounds like double speak, but like, you know, when it, when it has that, you know, um, that fine line between familiarity and, and new and fresh, that's, that tends to be what people really look for and and gravitate towards.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like we really hit, hit that Goldilocks zone where, like you said, it feels familiar, but it's something new. And part of the idea behind the line was something that happened to me when I was in high school. There was a little stretch where I was thinking to myself, well, I'm starting to grow up. I can't be playing toys and watching cartoons and all that stuff, which was really tough because I loved all that stuff. You know, I was like really kind of nerdy and geeky and whatnot. And, um, you know, something kind of clicked. I, I think the pinnacle of it where I was just I had I couldn't resist it anymore was when um McFarlane released their Metal Gear figures and that game had come out and I was just like, you know what? I like toys and everything. And what I'm getting at is, you know, there was this window where there was a bunch of stuff that came out that I just didn't know about. I wasn't interested in it. And, uh, you know, and then I, then I see it years later and I'm like, whoa, what is this thing called street sharks? Or what is this thing called biker mice from Mars? Or, you know, those were a couple of things that kind of like people my age that, just continued to collect, really like that stuff. And I got to kind of rediscover it. So the idea was similar to that where it was, maybe this came out a long time ago and I'm just discovering it. And it kind of really reminds me of this, the nostalgia of being a kid and whatnot. And then the other end is obviously, you know, we have these comic books that I'm really proud of. And we're actually wrapping up the fifth issue, which is the first story arc. And it's the familiar hero's tale that, you know, Western culture just loves that, that hero's tale. And, uh, you know, so we kind of, we do a little bit of world building. We do a little bit of our main character, Pale, building his team out so that whenever he encounters, you know, the main, the, the next antagonist in the next story arc, he'll have that core team built and... Also, the comic book kind of served as like little sneak peeks and clues of what figures we're going to be offering as the waves, you know, as this, as the toy line grows and as we introduce the world of AWOC or Animal Wars of the Kingdom.
0: So so going back to that and and the comic book and and even kind of the initial inspiration being the work that you were doing for the the zoo, um, you know animal warriors of the kingdom has had a remarkable, you know, last two years, but, uh, you know, what kind of drew you to those specific animals? You know, I know you mentioned the, the, the concept of being able to kind of show the emotions of a, of a primate character, but you know, the, the, the selection is very, I feel like is very unique and especially your take on the, on the animals.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I think there's some, I think that the apes, the great apes really approach that uncanny valley that, you know, they're very fascinating to us and they're not quite human, but they're just so close and, um, you know, kind of studying chimps and seeing how, um, how violent they can be and how, uh, how territorial and, you know, they've got this amazing hierarchy that they that they work around with. And there's no language, you know, there's this kind of unspoken body language that they understand. Uh, Something about that was very fascinating. And I thought it was a great starting off point because the reader is going to be starting off in this brand new world where they're going to be exploring other cultures and the forms of animals. And this is kind of the closest we're going to get to the, the human experience while while being introduced to new alien or, you know, animal life forms. So it just felt like kind of a good jumping off point.
0: And, and where did the, the idea for your, your hero, uh, come from? Well, what, what inspired you when you were actually writing the the story here?
1: Um, so, you know, I write pale as me as a teenager, you know, he's, it's fun to write his dialogue because it's very, it's pretty much just my dialogue, but you know, Probably twenty years ago, I would say. So his dialogue's pretty easy to write, um, and you know, before I throw any of my characters into a situation, I've got backstories for them. I know exactly, you know, who they are, um, what their characters like, and so whenever I, whenever we place situations in front of them, it's very easy for me to know how how's Mala going to react to something as opposed to Pale. And, uh, you know, how's colleague going to react to something not going correct or, or exactly to plan? Uh, so knowing their knowing what their personalities are before really kind of starting the, the plot points really helps me. Um, and I try to write their dialogue different. I find a lot of people, you know, reading scripts and stuff, if I know the person, it's like I almost read – the dialogue in their voice. And that's not what I want to do. Uh, you know, I, if you've read the comics, you'll see that Mala very, very rarely says can't or won't. She will say cannot or will, will not. Um, uh, Kali very similar, but not quite as strict in his speech. And, uh, you know, pale and a tray, you will have a little bit more slang and, and have a little bit looser, um uh, Kind of natural speaking voices, so uh, all, writing all that different dialogue is really fun.
0: Now, it, it, speaking, you know, of these these characteristics of of these original characters, um, considering now that you know the, the the comics are kind of informing the toys down the line, you know, showing the characters that are coming. When you're adding new characters to the mix or, or making Changes to existing characters are you kind of simultaneously thinking about how that affects the the upcoming toys or is it or is it kind of the toys are reactionary to the source material
1: you know I would say it's a bit of both like I, we had a question about why the void toy was noticeably smaller than he was in the book, and the simple answer to that is because you know we want to have that body type shared across several characters and the original character that that buck is made off of or based off of is King Hannibal. So that is truest to his form. And so, you know, we, we didn't want to make a whole nother buck for the void. So we just kind of shrunk them down by like maybe like 10 to 15%. Um, As far as like the characters go one of the things that I was really conscientious of about was anytime we see a, a variant of pale or a Atreyu or Kali or anything like that, it needs to be in the story. We don't want to just have like, you know, Sherbert colored Batman, you know, even though I loved that as a kid, we needed to make sense in the story. So that's something that I've been really strict about. Um, but... You know, we, you know, Utoma and I talk about when we're going to introduce everything like, you know, the rabbit character Kanji isn't introduced until issue three. Um, and we're going to be doing the issue. The first issue is not going to be out in stores until March 6th. So we've got that buffer, you know, so by the time issue three comes out, people will have already had the chance to, you know, you know, order that figure and, and be excited about it.
0: So so what you're telling me is that uh that's that surfing pale and spaceman pale and dressed up as cowboy pale, those aren't those aren't coming anytime soon.
1: You know what? You never know. Uh the, the space pale is actually something that could possibly happen, but it's gonna it's gonna make sense, especially once you've read the stories. Uh, the cowboy pale, not so much. And but the surfing pale, man, that sounds fun. I just I wouldn't have him like in uh, you know palm tree swimming trunks and like surfing on water, we might have him like, you know, maybe surfing down the, the side of a ship that's disintegrating. And he's like standing on like a piece of, you know, the hull that came loose. But I don't know if that would translate to a figure, but it, it seems like it'd be a fun scene in the book or, or, or comic book. Of, I mean, or, or excuse me, cartoon eventually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, it's the thing that was always fun about those, like and I always, my brain always immediately goes back to Kenner whenever this conversation happens because they were like the masters of the uh, weird, like super toyetic repaint right. that had nothing to do with the source material. You know, right. the, yeah. the 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 gold and black Batman and right. you know, like, oh my stuff, gosh, like, I have,
1: I still have that Batman. That's a great Batman.
0: Those are I, I always remember Arctic Batman the, with the white. Like, could you ever <laughs> Batman yeah. in white? like come so on funny. um but like i, I you know th- those figures were fun they were they fun really they had right? so much play
1: and that's the thing is you know it, it's it's you know we're we're poking fun at it but we know like how fun that was so it's like how do you take that that fun and incorporate it into a way that's you know that our adult minds can suspend the disbelief you know so i mean i don't know how much of the comic book you read but you know We've got some upcoming variants of pale and, and Atreyu and gladiator attire, you know? So, and it makes total sense because it's in the book, you know, but, uh, I don't know. It, it I, I'm very, I'm very aware of like making toys toyetic. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people get, uh, they, they find the pins in certain figures, very distracting. And it's funny. Cause I find it kind of charming in a way. Um, some of our characters you know, the, the pale buck does have pins in it, but the pins are flush with the arm, so it's it's not quite as noticeable. There's armor and stuff that kind of covers it and whatnot, but um I think it I think it kind of goes back to my love of uh the movie Toy Soldiers mm. and how those little characters really look like toys. You know, it's just one of those things where um I don't necessarily want something that just looks like a a statue. You know, there's that there's that fine balance of, uh, you know, aesthetic and functionality. And it's all very interesting and fun to try to figure out what my ideal is. So continuing
0: that kind of thought, you know, the, the, the thing that kind of sets uh, Animal Warriors of the Kingdom and, and Spiro Toys apart, you know, there, there is an ever-expanding um, you know, it's beyond cottage industry at this point, a bit, an expanding full-on industry of of indie toys out there. Um, what do you, what would you say really sets Animal Warriors of the Kingdom apart from kind of the field?
1: You know, that's a great question. I think because we've got a really great comic book and we've done the world building so that whenever you see stuff like the void and you're like, I've seen the other figures, I don't understand how this works. And I think I think the toys having characters and personality that are associated with each figure sets us apart. And I'm very proud of that, that, you know, it's not just a cool looking figure. They're featured in the comic. They have their own their own mythos and and part of the story that we're telling. And uh, whenever we whenever we set up the story, I wanted to build the sandbox in a certain way that we could have fun sci fi stuff and have mythological and magic stuff in the way that masters does. And I feel like we've achieved that.
0: Now, one of the other things that, I, that I, I love about the line is, is the ability of, of kind of customization, you know, the way that parts are swappable. And you, you recently posted on Instagram, this awesome video of kind of like building your own animal warriors, of the kingdom figure by, uh, by, by, Buying one of the uh, the the plane figures and then buying the, uh, the accessory packs and everything, so that customization aspect I think is is a huge selling point for a lot of people outside of myself. Um, what goes into the design process to make sure that that whole concept
1: works? Uh, as far as the engineering goes, that's it, it's got its own set of challenges, but I think um, you know I've got. A particular color palette so if you happen to collect the line you'll notice that a Treyu's fur is the same color as cordoon's uh, fur and there's an adventure pack with a head that matches both of those figures so you could potentially army you, you know you could turn those three you could turn those two figures into potentially three different characters or even six different characters just mixing and matching uh and the same thing with lexion and the the ancients ash there's a, a gray head so i really tried to just make sure that uh we had a bunch of heavy hitters that also have the potential for cross play with not only our line but you know masters and uh, mythic and a, an upcoming toy line that's awesome called savage crucible yeah,
0: um, yeah those are there's some
1: other cool. stuff that's it's uh it's eluding me at the time right now but you know I spent a lot of time thinking and making sure that uh, it would be very customizer friendly. The uh, the one exception that I would say as far as like customizing goes is for, for safety issues, we actually designed the pelvis and the ab section to not pop apart. Um, instead of doing that, we recommend that people pop it, pop it off at the hips so you can like take off that skirting. And once it's actually super easy. It's just one of those things that you need to know before you try to, to do it. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're really proud of the, the customization. Uh, over the weekend, I actually had an idea for an upcoming uh, offering that would be the ancient de- Definitive Edition where, you know, it would be an ape. It, you know, it might have an ape head on it, but it will include a cat head, uh, cat hands and feet. So that way someone that wants to, you know, do cat characters can do that. And then the other character, other person can do an ape character. And we're going to put all the bells and whistles on it. We'll do dry brushing. It'll have all kind of really great paint applications. That way, if someone doesn't feel like doing the paint themselves, they can do this character or this offering as opposed to the, the current ancient's offering is really meant as a base that people can paint and color the way they really like. And now, a word from our sponsors.
0: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
1: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: This segment is brought to you by our friends at Chubsy Wubsy Toys, a traditional mom-and-pop toy store in Little Falls, New Jersey, Chubsy Wubsy Toys brings you the best new toys from the brands you love without the hassle of pounding the pavement searching for them at larger retail stores. Visit them in person at their brand new home at 101 Newark Pompton Turnpike Suite 1 in Little Falls, New Jersey, or online at chubsywubsy.com. That's C-H-U-B-Z-Z-Y-W-U-B-Z-Z-Y.com. And tell them Adventures in Collecting sent you.
2: Did you know that CGC Video Games now offers cleaning services for your favorite collectibles? Make your collectibles look good as new and give them that extra life in our crystal clear holders. With professional cleaning for sealed, complete in box, and cartridge only games, maximize the potential of your collection. Submit today at cgcgrading.com. That's cgcgrading.com. Face it, shaker bottles suck. Your shakes always come out clumpy and they're a pain to clean.
0: You're right, Dave. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended shakes in just 20 seconds.
2: BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease.
0: BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for over 15 blends and recharges quickly via USB-C.
2: Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go.
0: With an array of colors, patterns, or even Disney-inspired designs to choose from, show off your personality while you're blending up something delicious on the go.
2: What are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today.
0: And be sure to use the promo code AICPOD12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code AICPOD12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. Shop today to get the best deal ever. And now back to the ship. Now speaking of, of color, um, you, you mentioned that you you know you have a very specific color palette, but I I want to go even deeper than that. I love the color combinations that you're using. So like oh, thank personally, you. my my favorite of the of the figures, I love the colorway of Blight. Um oh, thank that you. The,
1: the, yeah. the
0: blue mohawk with the purple armor, with like the kind of metallic teal hits on the weapons. Like I that that's that's kind of like that was my first AWOC figure and okay. you know when i got that one i was like oh man this is this is like legit
1: um, going to be fun
0: <laughs> yeah uh, what what kind of goes into that color selection i i know you know if, since it's your, your you know your story and you kind of own the whole thing you know what kind of inspires the, the this this color palette that you're you're working with
1: so the current iteration or the current st- the current phase of this of, of what's out so far is my 90s color palette um, as we go further into the sci-fi aspect of AWOC, uh then we'll start to blend in my 70s color palette and what I mean by that is you know the 90s ha- the 90s have a lot of neon colors neon was in you know Neon colors were kind of introduced back then. They kind of crept in a little bit in the '80s, but I feel like the early '90s was when they really started to uh, to flourish. So there's a lot of really bright saturation and uh, you know, kind of just fun colors that'll that complement each other. And then uh, you know, for the sci-fi stuff, it's a little bit more muted stuff. Uh, subdued colors, a lot of like, you know, egg egg white, as opposed to like really bright white. Um, you know, instead of yellow, you might have like a yellow gold, a burnt sienna orange, uh, kind of like cloudy blue, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, right now we're, we're in Jason's uh, 90s color palette. And then as we go further into the story, we'll start to kind of get into that 70s little bit more muted subdued color palette
0: yeah you can already see that start to kind of hint its way into the the line i'm, I'm just looking at your at the wave four pre-orders again right um wow. and you can see that that uh you know pales colors are getting a little more muted a little darker exactly. yeah yes yeah, it's, it's a it's a really cool way to, to transition from the, the like the shock 90s brights into you know that kind of uh dy- this uh right. yeah hours, and so.
1: it's it's great for uh you know uh storytelling wise cuz you know a lot of times we're doing you know there's set there's set locations there's you know we have our our A story our B story and then we've got subplots on top of it so um you know we need to let the reader know like hey it's it's nighttime on this location and then it might be dawn in another location on the on the b story and whatnot so all those colors really play an important role that should be almost subconscious you know that the reader might not necessarily be paying attention to it but it's meant to kind of help them uh uh kind of get their bearings when when they're reading through or experiencing in the comics and the toys are meant to be you know the comics jumping off the page essentially so
0: And, and have there been any challenges in getting those colors to translate the way that, uh, the way that you want, you know, getting the factory to, to deliver on, you know, the expectation?
1: That's a great question. So the first time we did the toys, um, I had my own Pantone color book, which, you know, if people don't know what that is, it's just, it's almost like a, uh, it's almost like this little book you'll see at the, you know, at Lowe's or at Home Depot, In the paint section, they'll have these color swatches. It's very similar to that, but it's just a book. I realized that the factory had a different book than me. um, So they didn't get the colors quite right on our first try for the the four inch scale. Uh, And once I moved factories and everything, and I got my, you know, our current project manager, we would buy, I would buy two of the same color book and I would mail them one and I would keep one for myself. And we would do uh, paint masters. So I would paint, you know, three of, of each figure and I would keep two and send them one. So that way we could really kind of dial in those colors and make sure they translated well. And I have to say they just really nailed it as across the board as far as like what I sent them.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and, and yeah, Pantone colors come up quite frequently on, on this podcast.
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> great. Yeah.
0: Yep. I love We're them. familiar with the color Bible, the, the color Bible. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, have we've, we've talked kind of at length about the, the, the cast of characters here and, and the, the types of animals that we have. And, you know, we have primates and cats and, uh, mongrels and bunnies and or rabbits, bunnies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and and uh you know we have all these different animals kind of entering the the world here um when it comes to you know introducing a new animal type into the mix, uh how do you go about selecting you know what animals coming in and and more on that you know, can we expect more animals in the uh in the future?
1: so I'll answer the second question first. we're definitely gonna be experiencing and in, in- seeing more animals in the second story arc. Um as far as the animals that are introduced, um uh, Utoma and I kind of made a, a an unofficial map uh, because you know Pale's basically making a, a journey. It's not a linear line, but they they're kind of moving around as they're being pursued. So uh they start off in at House Janar, which is a breakaway section of the main ape house, which is the horde. Um, And they basically seek refuge in the the neighboring kingdom, which is the feralists, which is the cats. And there's several great houses in the animal kingdom, you know, where it takes, where the, where the story takes place. But then they also have, you know, lesser houses and then even smaller kind of, Serfdoms. so you know as as the story progresses we know they're in the feralist house and they're kind of being pushed and they actually get kind of pushed out into the feralist uh surf section which is happens to be the rabbits they're you know the the cats protect them in exchange for crops and whatnot and they'll get pushed further and further so we have an idea you know geographically what the land looks like and you know, where are they are going to move next? They're going to be, they're kind of on the run and everything. And so maybe they're going to see, you know, maybe they're going to get to, you know, pachyderms or something like that. But I, I'm trying not to spoil stuff. Yeah, yeah. But we do have stuff planned out. We know, we know exactly like where the, where the houses are and what their territories are. So uh, it just depends on where the, where the, the team is going to be pushed in the story uh, and in the second story arc, it's a lot more uh, there's gonna be a lot more traveling in the, in the first story arc they're almost kind of like in this you know it takes place in a very localized region of the world that they're in. It's almost kind of like you know they might the, the whole story might take place in like the New England area. You know it's not a huge geographical place, but it's also not like this tiny island. Uh, in the next story arc, they're going to be dealing with trade routes and stuff and and pirates and whatnot, so they'll be traveling a lot more in the second one in the second story awesome. arc, I should say
0: awesome and and you know so far we've seen you know all mammals is is that kind of the the course at this point, or you know could we No, potentially not at all uh, outside of m- mammals
1: no so um how many have you read the stories yet or no?
0: I, I, admittedly, I've only read the first issue.
1: Okay, so um, they won't start seeing other non-mammal characters until the fifth issue, which is, uh, you know, kind of late in the story arc, but we are going to see birds and and other kind of characters. Actually, I take it back. They do have a little, a couple of cameos of non-mammal characters, uh, but nothing, you know, nothing major. In the fifth issue, we'll start to really see, uh, you know, there'll be birds and uh, and then going forward into into the next story arc, they'll visit a fishing village and, uh, you know, reptiles and whatnot. So it's definitely going to continue to grow as far awesome. as like different animal types goes.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, speaking of the kind of toyetic nature of all of this, that's like all those different types of animals present all different types of fun engineering hoops that you have to jump through, I'm sure. Right,
1: right. (laughs) Yeah, I was really kind of thinking uh, today about, you know, the reptiles and stuff and how they, you know, they have, you know, really shiny skin. They're kind of, and some of them are iridescent. The same with fish and whatnot. So I was, you know, I had a little bit of time on my hands this afternoon. I was just kind of mulling around what, you know, how those paint applications would work.
0: So before before we wrap on on just the the Animal Warriors of the Kingdom the the one thing you you had kind of hinted at um you know talking about source material was uh was you know an, an eventual you know uh, animated experience uh you know outside of the comic is is that something that has you know any sort of ETA on it when when will people hear more about uh you know about
1: that So whenever I decided to do the comic book I was sitting on the couch and just kind of thinking what is the dream scenario. And at the time I thought, you know, I can make a comic. I just have to sit there and draw it out. And uh, then the toys was the next logical step. And then kind of the, the trifecta would be getting, uh, you know, a syndicated cartoon that would, you know, it, it formed that circular advertising or brand awareness loop from the eighties that was, that proved to be so popular. And, and, well-received. Um, as far as a cartoon goes, I really believe on, you know, leveraging baby steps. And, and like I said, the comic was the first phase and then toys was the third phase. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that we can leverage the success of the toys and the comics to get a showrunner interested in, in, you know, pitching it because that's who's really going to pitch it to, uh, you know, streaming networks or, you know, whatever, whenever it might be aired on.
0: Well, I, you know, definitely look forward to uh, to hearing hearing more about that developing because, yeah, th- these characters are are super cool, and uh, you know, I, personally, I can't wait to read more of the comic. Uh, it's it was something that was sitting in my to read pile for, for quite some time, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, you know, know to, in, in order to get ready for the uh, the episode, I. I ripped the Band-Aid off, and I was like, "Man, I only downloaded issue one, so I, <laughs> now I got to go get the other ones."
1: Oh, cool! Um, Thank you.
0: So, from from the junk from the, the the animal warriors of the kingdom and and you know the, the this plethora of wildlife to feudal Japan, tell us right. about the, huh? the new IP funny. that you announced.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So what we're going to be what a
0: transition.
1: <laughs> What's that?
0: So what a transition.
1: I know that that's a segue, right? Um, so one of our sculptors, Dan, uh, had been wanting to do something for himself. And I said, listen, just do what you want. We'll produce it and make sure that you can, uh, you know, do exactly what you want. And he settled on uh, Feudal Japan paired with, uh, you know, Samurai paired with Oni. And I, th- I was like, that's fantastic. And uh, when we debuted them we just happened to watch uh, Blue-Eyed Samurai on Netflix, which I highly recommend. Do not watch it with the kids. It's very adult-oriented. <laughs> I've heard.
0: Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> it,
1: yeah, it just made us so excited for the line. We're like, oh, man, that's right up our alley. Uh, we also watched uh, Onimushu before that, which I think is really good, too. But I recommend watching Onimushu first just because Blue-Eyed Samurai is so amazing. Uh, not taking anything away from the other one, but uh, – they're both really cool. And I feel like we kind of, uh, we're kind of introducing it right at the, right at an opportune time where it seems like samurai stuff's really being, becoming popular again. Uh, I saw that there's an Assassin's Creed game that made an announcement and, um, I've, I want to say I kind of watched the last samurai maybe once a year just because it's such a great film. It's an um, awesome movie. And so yeah. we're super excited about it. You know, our, our guys do, uh, a lot of G.I. Joe classified, Marvel legends and everything. So uh, the, the the figure is essentially a G.I. Joe classified articulation, but we're going to have, you know, we're going to put all the bells and whistles as far as like paint deco and uh, accessories and whatnot goes. So we'll be putting out really special figures with that. And it's, it's fun to finally be doing a human line as opposed to just, you know, what, I felt like people might've thought we were a uh, kind of one trick pony. And so it's, it's exciting to introduce our first IP of 2024. And uh, we're working on some other really exciting stuff too that we can't talk about just yet, but I think we're really going to uh, blow people's socks off when they see what it is.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I mean, I talk about striking while the iron iron is hot, you know, coming know, off I, of, kind of the popularity. I, I think, you know, Ghost of Tsushima did a, did a, did really well for kind of the idea of of samurai in in pop culture. You know, really right. kind of brought it back to attention. That game was you know yeah. a beautiful, Kurosawa esque you know experience. And then, like you said, you know things like like Blue Eyed Samurai, which are you know I I haven't had a chance to watch that yet, um, but I've I've heard nothing but but excellent things about it. And you know I'm I'm excited because really there hasn't been um, with the exception of, I, I think, I think Figma had a did a, um, a a Ghost of Tsushima figure, you know, in the in the one twelve scale, but there there really hasn't been accessible samurai figures on the market in a very long time. And usually they're so encumbered in their articulation because of the you know their their outfit because of what they're wearing. Right. So I'm I'm really really excited to 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 be able to get one that moves you know, that's, yeah. I mean, that's one of the
1: things is I I will say that that is one of the things that's different as far as like the GI Joe classified. Um, so if you look at the classified, they've got that ab crunch and then they have the bowl, uh, on the samurai figures that, uh, you know, the ones that are wearing the armor, they do have the bowl, but they don't have the ab crunch. So there is going to be a limit as far as like that goes. Um, but the, um, the bare chested one. I don't know if you saw both of them. That Mm -hmm. one's going to have a mid torso. It's not, it's not the same style, but it's, it's going to allow for a good range of motion. Um, And that's one of the things about Spiro. We want to make sure that we're creating toyetic toys. Uh, We don't want you to just kind of like play with it for a little while and put it on the shelf. All the stuff that we're putting out is meant to be enjoyed Played with if your if your kid wants to kind of check it out and stuff you're not gonna kind of like be secretly cringing that they're gonna break it you know um, so as we start to release products you'll see that the unifying factor is that they aren't super high end but they're what the big toy companies should be doing as far as like paint apps and including accessories uh, paired with their great sculpting that the the big that the big companies are doing um and their durability so hopefully that makes sense it's going to be something that's collectible but something you're not scared to like take and play with and and if the kids bash them up a little bit it won't do any kind of damage to them that's
0: awesome yeah very much so looking forward to it any news on when we're going to hear about pre-orders or or anything on, on that bushido line
1: um it will be towards the uh let's see it'll be the fall of 2024 What we're going to start doing is releasing images. Um, So the idea is to do them in small waves of two figures. So in other words, the first wave will be a fully decked out samurai and then an oni character, and then we'll keep repeating that. So um, you'll have a samurai type character and an oni in each wave until, you know, that's what we're going to reveal until we do pre-orders in the fall.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, now before we head into our our uh, follower Q and A, just one one other question for you. Um, the dreaded
1: you know, Q and
0: <laughs> think I think you're I think you're going to survive. We haven't had anybody faint, pass out, uh, leave, rage quit. We haven't had that yet. So
1: that fingers is a crossed. Dang shame. Oh well.
0: <laughs> um, you're coming up now on a decade of, of Spiro. Uh, this coming June, actually. Uh, that is wild. It's crazy, right? I research. Um, what what has changed about the collector space uh, in your perspective in the last ten years?
1: Well, I will say I think the biggest, the biggest and most obvious change is the favorability of the four inch scale uh, taking taking second seat to the to the six inch scale. Uh, I kind of saw the writing on the wall when. Uh, Star Wars released the Black Series and then, you know, uh, Hasbro picked up the Marvel Legends figures from Toy Biz. I thought uh, those are cool, but I've got such a big collection of four inch scale and, you know, it's slowly, it slowly won me over. I still love the four inch scale, but I think that's the biggest difference. Um, You know, the, the, the cost of the figures have, I think have, you know, increased quite a bit. But you know that's kind of the cost of living across the board. Um, but you know to kind of get back into the positive, I find that um, I find that the form and function have really found a nice balance. I feel like the last five years, uh, the sculpts have really kind of found um, found their sweet spot where they still look like toys and they can move really great. But they don't have kind of that garish, obvious articulation that uh, that Toy Biz era, which is great for the time. But, um, you know, it's obvious that there's a big difference as far as that goes. I also found that, uh, you know, that that kind of printed eyes whenever that started, I want to say it was about four years ago. um, It didn't look that great. I feel like they've kind of. They've dialed it in, but they've also learned not to use it where it's not necessary, if that makes sense. You know, I've noticed some mm-hmm. figures they don't use it on. And uh, so I've kind of appreciated that they're not just kind of putting it on everything. There's certain characters don't really need it. You know, it makes sense for a movie character, but not necessarily a comic book character. So uh, it's nice that we're finding that balance as far as that goes. Um and then one of the other differences that I noticed was, uh, you know, the packaging from 10 years ago, Marvel Legends hasn't really changed much. But uh, I do feel like the the boxed characters, you know, in the six-inch scale has really kind of become the standard. Uh, I feel like Super 7 just puts out the best-looking presentation as far as packaging goes. Um, we're starting to get out of the, the woods with the uh, the blind boxes that, you know, didn't have the, the preview window, the plastic window that, you know, yeah. people that are going to open want to kind of QC their figures and make sure their eyes and stuff look good. Uh, it seems like they're kind of course correcting on that and, and going back to the windowed figures, which, you know, I kind of joked it was, they're almost like Sh- Schrodinger's figure. It's like, do I even have the right figure in this box, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a remember, rough period I, for mint collectors. Very right, rough. Period. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I had a bad day a couple of months ago and, and I got my scrap iron from Amazon and I took it, you know, opened it. And it was like, it was just part swaps. And I was like, what? Oh, what is God. going on here? You know, they were great. Like they sent me a replacement in like two days, but I was just like, Oh, this would not happen if there was a window, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's some, some of those, those are, those are some of the real changes and, uh, ebb and flows that I had noticed in the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, uh, we didn't become, you know, I didn't, I didn't get my partner until 2019. So it's been, you know, a couple of years having a partner, which is great because, you know, we can bounce, you know, financials and stuff, all uh, you know, go over that kind of stuff. And it's not just all the weights, not just on my shoulders, which is really, really nice.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it's gotta be, it's gotta be tough. Uh, I, I mean, frankly, I can't imagine you guys doing it just two people, but, uh, you know, one person that's, that's all, that's a lot of, a lot of weight.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, we, you know, he's, uh, he's a CPA and he's got his own accounting firm. So he's a little bit more, uh, experienced with that kind of the financial aspect than I am. I'm the creative side. And we do have our, our employees. We've got, you know, three great, you know, fulfillment employees. And then we've got our customer service uh, and our, our sculptors are freelance. So, but, you know, we love them all and we, we're we a lot smaller than people realize, uh, which is, is cool. I mean, I, I feel like people think we're way bigger than we are and we want to get there, but we're not quite there yet, you know.
0: So this this leads us to our our Q&A. And for those uh, listening that uh, that are maybe listening for the first time, uh, anytime we have a guest on, we post on Instagram at AIC underscore podcast. Um, If you keep an eye out there, when we have a guest on, we will put a a post up, a story up, and we'll collect uh, questions and kind of call through them and pick some of the really good ones for this Q&A section here. So. Uh, if you are interested in participating in a in a future episode of adventures and collecting definitely give us a follow at aic underscore podcast uh so that way you can submit your questions now for this q a um we actually already answered the the question that was kind of thrown out by a bunch of people kind of similarly so i melded them into one question we already took care of that one but we have uh, two questions from uh, two specific askers. So, uh, Jason, you, you ready to do a little Q&A? I am ready. All right. So our first question comes from at Brad Loves PetSmart on Instagram. And uh, he asks, is it possible to get a reprint of the first issue of the comic? Uh,
1: not in the form of the, the Kickstarter version, but starting – well, on March 6th, the, the series is going to be in comic shops everywhere. So uh, if you go to your favorite comic shop in January and request them to order copies of Animal Wars of the Kingdom, you'll be able to get that first issue again. And we'll be, you know, we'll be offering all the all the previous issues once a month at your favorite comic shop. Uh, each issue will also be offered uh, the standard edition, which everyone from the Kickstarter that backed has received, as well as collector's covers uh, by a bunch of really great artists. So whenever you order your comics, make sure you uh, you order the standard edition as well as collector's cover.
0: Uh, Craig, Dave, my, my friends at Zap Comics, I know you're going to be listening to this. Um, I'm going to be bothering you in January.
1: Yes, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, 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 we got to make sure Zap gets those.
1: Yeah, um, they'll awesome. be in the uh, they'll they'll be in the Diamonds previews catalog.
0: Amazing. Uh, yeah. So you you heard Jason? Go to your local comic shop this this January, just in in a few weeks from now. If you're listening to this when it's brand new, um, and uh, and make sure you get on them to order Animal Warriors of the Kingdom. Uh, next question and last question comes from at Acorn Thirty. Uh, will there be alternate feet packs in different colors down the line? Now you kind of sort of answered this already, but maybe we can be a little more specific.
1: Um, So the idea behind that is we kind of want to do those, you know, we mentioned it before, but we kind of want to do the definitive uh, ancients offerings. So it won't be a character in the book, but it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be a mammal that will have, you know, like I said, it'll have like a canine head, an ape head, a cat head, and it'll have the corresponding feet and hands in the pack. You know, included in the packaging, so that oh, way you awesome. don't have to add. It won't be like a necessarily add-on type thing.
0: That's great, and I mean, for for those who are interested in army building too, that's a that's a huge plus.
1: Right, it's kind of the idea where it's It's essentially catering towards army builders slash customizers
0: very cool and i, I know that was a brief q and a session, but uh you survived it
1: we were thorough right we we, we answered everything throughout the uh, the course of the interview so yeah kind of knocked it out
0: so now i'm gonna do my best here this is this is usually dave's uh, shining moment on the show where he asks the final question that we ask all of our guests. He does it in a very, very believable impersonation of, um, of inside the actor studios, James Lipton. I nice. am not going to attempt to do that impersonation. I'm just, I, I'm not going to do it ju- justice and I don't want to no. step on his, his toes while he's on vacation. But the final question that we ask all of our guests, what is the strangest and or favorite piece in your collection, it can be one of each, or it can be both.
1: So I think the strangest thing figure in my collection is the I want to believe I want to say his name's Piggy from uh, the Power Rangers Lightning Collection. It is such a weird, bizarre character. It's it's one of the figures that's ha- that stayed uh, in my kitchen since I opened it on Christmas. Usually. Uh, I get new figures and they kind of hang out in the kitchen for a couple of weeks and then they, then they make their way back, uh, up into my collecting area and the, on the shelves. Uh, this one has stood the test of time. He just kind of hangs out and mocks me as I eat breakfast. So that would definitely be the weirdest one. Um,
0: I love that my, Pudgy Pig is, Pudgy Pig is judging yeah, that's you what with it is. his, gladi- his gladiator helmet. He's judging yes. you while you eat breakfast.
1: Just an amazing figure. The engineering's fantastic. It's such a weird, goofy, wonderful thing. I just love it. Do you ever uh, eat
0: bacon and stare at him directly while you're eating it?
1: No, but I should, you know. I I think that's a good call. Like just ca- <laughs> kind of like reestablished dominance, you know. I am uh, the alpha. <laughs> right, right. And you know, this is gonna be a little bit of a uh, – the guy in the band wearing the band shirt moment, but, uh, my favorite figure in my collection would definitely be pale and his adventure armor just cause of, uh, you know, just, of, you know, the journey that went through and the, the sacrifice and and work that went into making this figure line. And, uh, you know, I mentioned before, Pale's kind of my avatar for the, for the, the IP, um, we were, you know, we've been just so busy since the line arrived, uh, in the summer and about a week and a half, well, I, about a month ago, I'd say we had, I had just a little downtime. My little girl had gone to sleep and everything. And, uh, I was kind of cleaning off her nightstand and there was a pale figure and I picked it up and I kind of looked at it and, and I, and I, I thought to myself, holy shit, we did that. That's crazy. You know? And it, it's funny at the beginning of the interview, you were talking about, you know, I'm not going to say we and, and whatnot, but my inner, my inner monologue is always we and us. So, which, so I kind of laughed to myself because I'll give myself pep talks and I'm like, okay, we're going to have a good day, right? We're going to get all this stuff on our checklist done, right? And I'm like, yeah, we're, got, we're doing good today, you know? So I just kind of thought that was amusing. But well, yeah, I'd I mean, say fa- favorite figure is definitely Pale.
0: I, I, I don't think it's a case of wearing the band shirt to the, to the concert. You know, I, I, I you, you did something incredible here. You created it, a, a, a character from, from nothing, right. From, from absolutely nothing. You put him on the pages of a comic book, you casted him into plastic. He's in countless homes, you know, he's on and, and honestly from, from dad to dad, and he's on your daughter's nightstand. I mean, right? Like How that, cool is that? That's just like that. That that literally is. It, it it's it's. I'm, I'm getting I'm honestly getting a little emotional just kind of thinking about it for you. I mean, like it, right. it's yeah. it is it's a, it is a really surreal. really cool. It is a really really cool thing, and you you should be super super proud that that thank that you. is your favorite figure in your collection.
1: Oh, thank um, you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: So. Before I let you go, uh, please remind our listeners, uh, everyone out there, where can they learn more about Spiro Toys, where can they uh, follow you online, and, and most importantly, where can they pick up the comics and the uh, the figures themselves?
1: So if you want to get the figures now, you can get them on Amazon.com, you can go to Big Bad Toy Store, or you can uh, buy directly from us, which we would appreciate at uh, SpiroToys.com if you want to enjoy the comic books, we do have them in digital forms on our website in the comic section. Uh, but if you would like a physical copy, you can start getting those on March 6th. Make sure you ask your, your comic shop to carry the Animal Ways of the Kingdom series. Um, and I think that's about it. Did I, did I answer everything?
0: Uh, you know, we're in a bunch of really
1: great mom and pop shops across the country. And, and of course, I'm having a brain fart right now.
0: Well, if you have a local toy store near you and you want them to carry uh Animal Warriors of the Kingdom, uh have them have them reach out. Uh have them reach out to Jason, have them reach out at uh Spiro Toys, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We would love that. We offer uh you know, wholesale packages for mom and pop shops as well as uh, you know, big stores. I forgot to mention Entertainment Earth uh has them as well so you know basically whoever you like to order your toys through they should be on there and if they're not let us know so we can uh get them to carry it awesome
0: well jason with that uh we're gonna uh close up shop here and uh we can't wait to see what comes next from uh from Spiro toys thank you so much for for hanging out with me tonight
1: oh thanks for having me and uh uh i really enjoyed it and I'm uh, looking forward to listening to how funny my voice sounds on this podcast.
0: Thank you, dear listener, for hanging out with us today. Subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen, and then tell your friends to do it. Thanks also to Joe Azari, the golden voice behind our intro. Our music is Game Boy Horror by the Zombie Dandies. Find more about them both in our show notes.
2: Follow us on social media at AIC underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Stop by and say hi. Show us your toy hauls and share your toy stories. Maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. Don't try this at home. Voidware prohibited, some assembly required. Each sold separately, not a flying toy. Consult a physician if your toy run exceeds more than four hours. This has been a non productive media presentation